the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober with Alex and Lisa. Season three is sponsored by IPHM, an accreditation board for holistic therapists and training providers around the world. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Again, still shocking me when it says recording in progress. Nobody is. <laughs> no, well, they've heard it now. I've just well, said no. it. <laughs> As him says, recording in progress. It drives me insane every time. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Are you? Yeah, I've been all right all morning. I've been with you. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Hi, how are you this morning? And in actual fact, right, we've just been looking. We had a photo shoot um, a few weeks ago, which was so much fun. We did have fun with it, didn't we? we? And then we've got some of the photos. And when they've come back, some you love and some you hate and some I love and some I hate yeah well, we've just and found one now and honestly it looks like I've had a bum stuck on my chin no it doesn't you said I could put my whole finger in there <laughs> <laughs> I could put two <laughs> but yeah so then before we've come on the podcast you're like come on let's do this intro and you've took it off me while I was looking you've just stole it back you've just stole it back so we're going to keep this intro in intel Intro, 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 short and sweet, because our interview, it's not really an interview, our chat is an hour long. <laughs> That's everybody switched off now. No, it was really good. <laughs> That's why it's an hour long, because it was really good. We've actually got Laurie McAllister on. Um, it, I, I was just going to say that it was really surprising. I don't mean it was really surprising, but I enjoyed it a lot, lot more than I thought I would. Do you think it's just so lovely to catch up with other sober people? Like, Laurie is five years as well. sober. So she says in it that, like, she was 25 when yeah. she stopped drinking. And I think it's just such an incredible thing to do. And now it's kind of her normality. So it's nice just to have a chat with... We just talked about life stuff, didn't we? Yeah, so enjoy it. Enjoy it indeed. Hi, Laurie. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're good, we're good. We're actually almost at the end of our podcast season, so I know we shouldn't be celebrating, but we actually are, aren't we? Yeah, we're sick of talking to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we can't wait to have a break. You know, I'm lying, we speak to each other, like, all the time, every single day, about eight times, not even joking. (laughs) It was quite good, wasn't it? We had a proper friend conversation, because obviously our conversations have changed since we settled Be Sober. We're still friends, but every time we're on the phone, it's, oh, this member, or, oh, do you want to do this or we need to do that? And yesterday I just phoned her up and had a full on rant about my husband. And then I went, oh, we've just had a friend chat. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? That like when you get start working with your friends and then it, it all gets quite blurry. I work with one of my friends on something and, and now we just talk about work all the time. We we do that. We we have we're quite conscious of it, aren't we? Yeah. Like we'll say sometimes, like we're going away not next week and the weekend after together. And we was like, right, we're not going to talk about work, which is a complete lie because we will talk about it the whole time. But one of us will like kind of bring each other back. I think. Yeah, we might allow it on the journey. The journey there. Talk about it. Get it out of our systems, and then our friends. I don't know if we'll have anything to talk about. <laughs> we might not even have anything in common whatsoever anymore. Nothing. Just being sober. <laughs> I like that. Like you've got boundaries, right? If you talk about it on the journey there, you don't talk about it when you're there, and then you talk about it on the journey back. Then you have the whole break, but you still get your like worky time in. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll try and do just that. Up now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. do that. <laughs> so tell us about because you've been really busy haven't you you've been everywhere in the last 12 to 18 months yeah so I spent the last kind of 18 months well I've been back actually three months today in the UK um but before that I spent kind of the last 18 months in Cambodia how was that really fun um it was a pretty big decision so I I just kind of settled into like I'd moved from London to Norfolk when I got sober about nine months after getting sober I moved from London to Norfolk in search of like a quieter nicer chilled life and then about two years later I moved to Cambodia so three months of being back is taking some um getting used to but Cambodia it was such an amazing experience and one of those things I think everyone feels like traveling I didn't really do loads of traveling because of COVID. Like I mainly did like staying in one place. But <laughs> Everyone thinks like traveling or going abroad or being kind of an expat living overseas. It's really boozy. Yeah. But it really doesn't have to be like 
I obviously didn't drink when I was over there and I had a great time anyway, still managed to meet loads of people, probably looked a bit different than it would have done if it was, you know, a gap year at 19. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was brilliant all the same. So why Cambodia, Laurie? So I went there on holiday in August 2019. Me and my friend, we just booked it randomly. We were looking to try and go somewhere for like 10 days, two weeks. We wanted yoga, like a pool and warm weather. So we were looking at Portugal and stuff. But the Europe, it was when like Brexit was happening or around then. And the euro was so weak to the pound that everything was really expensive. So we ended up kind of looking further afield. And I found this really nice hotel in Cambodia. So we were like, right, let's go to Cambodia. Um, So we went and we just had the best time on holiday. And I was there like, I think I want to live here. Like, it's really cool. And I met some nice, I teach yoga. I met some nice yoga teachers. Like, it sounds weird, but I just really like the feel of the place. Yeah, no, I get that. And so when I, when I was there, I was like, oh, maybe I'd like to live here one day, but I just bought the just bought a house. My life was very much like in Norfolk. And I kind of had this whole conversation with myself where I was like, okay, so this is 2019. I was like, okay, so I'll save for another year and a half and I'll go in December, 2020. Good job. I didn't do that um, because of everything that happened in the world in between. But so I got home in kind of September, 2019 and decided, no, you know what? I really liked it. I'm going to go sooner rather than later. I'm not very good at putting things off because if I put things off, I'll end up not doing them. Yeah. Better at kind of like, I'm at like, I've got like an anxious mind. I worry about everything. Right. So if I leave it too long, I'll talk myself out of it. Yeah. And I think there's that whole fallacy. I, I wrote about this the other day about kind of, we wait to feel ready to do something. Yeah. But we very rarely feel ready. It's so true. Like you guys know, right? Like even with stopping drinking, like are you ever actually 100% ready or do you just one day like take the ball by the horns? And that was sort of why Cambodia. I'd been to Thailand a few years previously and decided I would quite like to live in Thailand, but never done anything about it. So I think Cambodia was kind of like right place, right time, me in the right kind of mood to make a change. And it was brilliant, brilliant kind of 18 months, but now back in the UK and settling back into life here oh so do you think you'd have done anything like this when you were drinking Laurie did you teach yoga before no so I did a lot of yoga when I was drinking I I, I thought hot yoga was a brilliant hangover cure that was oh, how yeah. I got into <laughs> yoga um so I got into yoga when I was 20 at uni and I just thought Bikram yoga 90 minutes in a hot room it was the best cure for a hangover so I used to go on a Saturday and Sunday morning um, but I, n- I never taught. I did my teacher training. I stopped drinking in December 2017. No, December 2016. I have to get all the dates right. Stopped drinking in December 2016. And I did my teacher training in the January of 2017. So I was only like a month or two months sober. Oh, wow. It's funny though, isn't it? Because you do that. Similar to you, I used to do a spinning class on a Sunday morning after like, and and the number of times I've been physically sick after a spinning class and told myself it's because of the hard work when actually it's the fact that I had this raging hangover and was completely dehydrated and should not have been exercising whatsoever. But I've done a similar thing. So like, um, started I'm a PT now I've just made oh, wow. just become a PT can't do anything can't just do the exercise and, and like the exercise have to teach the exercise it's like we say this about a lot of things I think people that have stopped drinking are kind of all or nothing we all kind of have that in common don't we I was exactly the same I have forced myself not to become a meditation teacher yeah. because, <laughs> because I loved it so much and every time I was kind of sat there thinking I could teach this I could learn to teach this and I'm like no Lisa just have something that you can do that isn't like that I've like just do that because I kept saying teach it teach yeah, it yeah yeah I wanted like, to teach it to the members <laughs> <laughs> but what is it about making something we love into a job I don't know it's quite frustrating isn't it like sobriety we've made it into a full-time job and I work full-time like it's weird (laughs) (laughs) 
and this is the thing right I'm the same right so I yeah I, I loved yoga and I made it my job and I still love it but I love it in a different way now because it has to provide me some kind of income right yeah. same with like sobriety it's like I've said sobriety weird there <laughs> sobriety <laughs> stuff because I obviously am sober like you guys and you run be sober I do some sober coaching so I've made it our job and I love that you haven't made meditation our job because I think you know they say all this stuff like do a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life yeah. that's not true <laughs> it's really not true is it do a job you love and you will work all of the time and never ever stop every yeah day. it's so true like I was sat there the other night writing exercise programs because we give, we give our members an exercise class three mornings a week now oh, cool. I, say we, I say we because Lisa's accidentally doing it as well not teaching it but it's make you do it aren't it yeah it has yeah so we, we can and the entertainment yeah she is I make it fun yeah she got <laughs> She got offended this morning because of something I said about Wim Hof. She got really personally offended. Yeah. Did what did you say? I want to hear this controversial opinion. It wasn't that controversial. I just said that he was a bit mad for doing a marathon without drinking any water. Oh, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. <laughs> and I was like, you need to watch his documentary before you judge him on this. Because okay. she was like saying, oh, he's a bit crazy. And I'm like, well, do you know him? Can you say that? <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but from just, just a purely scientific point of view, to run a marathon and not drink any water is probably not the best thing to do. It's Wim Hof. <laughs> Perfectly fine. <laughs> I honestly, we were doing the exercises and she'd made these few comments about him being a bit crazy. And I could feel myself getting so agitated. Like, I was thinking, who does she think she is? <laughs> and in the end, I was like, I can't, I, I can't leave it. But I'm going to have to say it. Like, I'm taking it really personally. <laughs> You say you're offending me now. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to offend you, but he is a bit crazy. Well, you know what the worst thing is? The um, Georgette, one of our members who was on, was saying she'd watch this documentary. I've not even watched it. <laughs> watch his documentary before you judge him. I haven't, but you know. <laughs> I watched it. I love Boot Club, though. You're standing up for standing up for what you believe in. That's fine, right? Like. <laughs> Oh, it's got me into trouble that we have this all the time because actually, even though we're like closer than close, we at times, and I I say this with, I say, I'm going to do it. We're we're like an old married couple. (laughs) We argue. Yeah, we do argue. (laughs) Tell me about, so, okay, so you guys, you, do you have both have jobs and you run Be Sober? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? What do you do? Well, How do you manage it? So originally I was a teacher and yeah. I can't fully share the story because it's still in progress. But okay. after I had um, a miscarriage, I went through a really difficult time with work and Sorry that, that eventually accumulated to me going off with stress and in discussion with work. That's what I will say. Okay. In, in, in discussion with work, having quite a difficult time with it. In the meantime, amongst that, Lisa had well stopped drinking by then. She was my influence and I stopped drinking a year after her. So by this time I'm sober, I've returned to work, but all of a sudden, you know that clarity switch you get? It's on and it's on radar and I'm thinking, this isn't just about a miscarriage, this is just this isn't the right, this is toxic. This environment Mm. is toxic and I don't want to be here anymore. So on the side, we'd already set up what was then called the Sober Experiment. It started with this podcast Mm. and we'd run this 30-day experiment of how we got sober for other people. And that's all we were doing, isn't it? Yeah. Meantime, long story, we'll cut it short. Lisa set up Be Sober Manchester with two other girls and doing socials. Over time, we kind of merged the two. I left my job because it didn't get resolved and it is now going through a, a different process. I thought you said this was a short story. It's, short it's so long. It's short. It's <laughs> quite short. I, I'm, in, I'm invested. I want to hear. So I'm, keep going. I, I am cutting out the beat. All right. So yeah. I've, I've, quit, I've quit my job, decide to go all in with the sober experiment. We merge being sober and the sober experiment. Meanwhile, Lisa's still director of um, an accreditation board and doing online courses, still doing that very much so. And all of a sudden, I've trained as a coach. See how little my bit were in that. Did you notice? Yeah, that's because <laughs> your, your bit's a, a pivotal part of the 
Hard just there. <laughs> it's because I did all the, chip, the chopping and changing. Lisa just added loads of stuff on and now doesn't breathe. So then I became the coach for Be Sober. And here we are. So my job's coaching. Okay. Separate. Yes. Lisa's yes. still got her full, very much full-time job because it's her own business and it's full on. It is full on, but I'm learning to kind of balance the two now. It's a family business, which is fantastic. So oh, cool. my eldest daughter has taken on a lot of what I did, which opens me up to be so, because I love it. I love it so much. And it's really bad because my other job obviously pays my bills. <laughs> be sober definitely doesn't. And what I find is that, and I shouldn't say this because my mum listens to this podcast and we all work together. Um, but I find myself at work doing all things for be sober. <laughs> And I'm like, this is definitely wrong because that pays my bills and I should be doing that. <laughs> you have you are finding methods though, aren't you? Yeah. And and so alongside what we do, somehow amongst partners, husbands, six children between us, two full-time jobs, we're doing this. Yeah, we're doing it. We do, however, have 20 odd ambassadors who take oh, wow, okay. a huge burden of the work. Huge. So what do they do? So they run, so, well, actually, their jobs have expanded as well. They thought <laughs> that they were just coming along to run social groups in their area, but it's actually, expen um, obviously, with everything going on, they couldn't arrange real face-to-face -face meetings. So we have, like, sober drop-in lounges, and now the ambassadors are starting to do sober drop-in lounges yeah. and arranging meetups. They're dead supportive in the group, but they're kind of specialising in certain subjects now. So, like, we've got our Liverpool and Wirral ambassador Kathy was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago she's starting an ADHD support group oh cool so that's really cool we've now got a men's only group we've got a, Man a Manchester ambassador is doing a women's support group for anybody with like sexual trauma um, so it's just kind of going bigger and bigger and bigger amazing. and we did honestly the, the ambassadors yeah. are amazing but they did think they were just going to kind of you know, like meet up with a few mates every now and again. And now they're like, oh my God, we've got like an eight week training package, <laughs> DBS checks, fully insured, you name it. It's like, it has really expanded, but uh, we're very transparent about it. We said, this is where we want to go. Are you in? Are you out? And then we're all like, we're in. And it's that's just brilliant. Go, you guys. Thanks. Sorry. Anyway, back to you. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's enough about us. So I actually <laughs> met you when we did. Um, yes the Be Sober Manchester, well, well, it was before our first event, actually, it was, we came to Catherine Gray's, the Sober Spring event in Manchester, where is where I met you originally. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that I That was did. fun. It was, it was so good. I was so scared of like, that was the first ever sober event or event that I'd gone to without the crutch of alcohol. And I remember like the anxiety of having to walk in to the, it seemed like the longest walk ever. It was quite a long walk. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Nobody's ever shared that with me because I thought it was a long walk. <laughs> it was because it was at the living room, wasn't it, in Manchester? Yeah. And you had to walk in downstairs all the way to the back and then up the stairs to come in. And then it was yeah. like a long room. So that was quite like a walking into the X Factor style walk. I think it was. It was long. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a fun event. Oh, God. So that was two years ago. Yeah. Which is just, yes. how long have you been sober then now? Four and a half. Four and a half years. And how old are you, Laurie? 30. 30. So you're quite young, aren't you, to be, like, sober? Yeah, I got sober when I was 25. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it feels normal when you do it, right? Because it's your life. Yeah. But, yeah, at the time, I think... It, it's one of those things, I don't know if you feel the same about this, like, it felt like such a big deal at the beginning. Yeah. But now it feels quite normal like now and I say this to people um quite a lot like in my everyday life I don't really talk about being sober or yeah. being alcohol free or any of it because it's just normal life like still on Instagram I talk a lot about sobriety and like obviously I've like we're, I'm a coach as well so with coaching clients I'll talk about sobriety if they you know if that's what we're working on but in my day-to-day -day life now the touch points are just kind of like, oh yeah, I just don't drink. And everyone knows that, oh, Laurie doesn't drink, right? So it's not, whereas at the beginning, and I always say this to people, like the beginning is such a huge deal and that first yeah. year it's massive. But actually, like as it becomes part of normal life, you just adjust to 
the new normal of not drinking. Yeah, you just get on with it, don't you? I said yeah. the same to you, don't I, about my two years soberversary. I was just like, I didn't feel the celebration. After one year, I remember thinking, yes. And it wasn't that I wasn't happy I got to two years, but it really did just feel like the next day. Yeah. And I guess does it ever shock you though if you do really think about it? Yeah. Because like I'm coming up to three years. Well, congrats. And thank you. And I literally cannot believe I'm that person that is nearly three whole years sober. Like it's actually incredible not to like blow up my own. I've known you since you're 11. It is incredible. I've seen her and I know that it is incredible. (laughs) But does it ever shock you? Do you think like, or do you think about what your life would be like if you hadn't have done it? What do you think it would have been like? I think my life would, would have just looked really different. Actually, I was in London yesterday with some friends and I think my life just would look more like their lives looked. Like I'd still have like... I used to work in marketing um, in London, lived in London. I think I'd probably be, you know, like have a more senior role in marketing, still living in London, still going out most nights, getting really drunk, hungover, probably still skirting around my overdraft just with a bigger paycheck. Um, I don't ever think if I play that tape forward, of if I start kept drinking, I think maybe eventually like I might have lost every, everything, but actually I was doing quite a good job of, keeping it together coping I'm like making like inverted commas with my hands I was quite good at like looking like I was all right Um, it was only people really close to me that kind of realized that maybe what was happening wasn't okay um yeah my life has completely changed from from getting sober like I quit my job I left London I retrained to be a yoga teacher I worked freelance for ages got a dog, bought a house, went to Cambodia. I don't think I would have done any of those things because no. I was always so scared of what other people thought, I think. And I was also, just going to ask you that, actually, love it. Yeah. What do other people think? Like, what do all your friends in London think to your life now? They just think, oh, good for Laurie, she's happy. Like, my life does look quite different to most of my friends. Like, most of my friends have, you know, tr- traditional careers, um, our teachers or work in banks, social workers, prison officers. Are you, you know, like, like the hippie friend, Laurie? <laughs> I am the hippie friend, but I'm definitely the one that's like a bit less in the system, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, like, I love that. <laughs> and I think like I, but I also like, I, I realised this and I had a bit of like a comparison time yesterday because all my, like the friends that I had dinner with, like, they're all, um, they've all got really good kind of traditional corporate jobs. They've all kind of been in London for, for years now. They're all, you know, actually I've got, so it's not about that, but like, they're like a couple of them are getting married this year. Another one, like they've got a dog. They're all talking about promotions and all that stuff. And I did find myself being like, comparison's a weird thing, isn't it? Right? Because I have really chosen to not be doing that. Like I've, got a whole career like uh, that I have been, you know like I I coach I teach yoga I do some marketing for sober for sober brands and stuff so I have chosen this option but it doesn't stop me being like hmm yeah that looks quite good in comparison yeah. to what I'm doing it's a weird thing it is I get that as well because uh, since I left teaching I've almost got and I don't mean it like it's going to sound but like a snobbery around it you know like oh I'm a coach and I love what I love what I do love it with a passion I'm a coach I'm a PT but I'm not using my degree and I've got this thing that I should be using my degree and yeah. I'm, re- I'm, I'm trying to lose it because it's just ego it's just ego. It's as simple as that. It's not what I'm meant to be doing is what I'm doing because I love it passionately. But there's and this little thing that makes you look across and think, mm, would I be head of this now or head of that? Oh, yeah. Right. And that's what I was doing last night on the train home. I was texting my mum. I'm single. So I was texting my mum. Right? <laughs> um, texting my mum being like, maybe that's what I want. And she's like, it's not like, it's really not. And I know that too, but it's just so easy to get stuck in that kind of like, oh, that grass looks greener. Yeah. That, what sobriety has actually taught me is kind of like, and this is what I was thinking where I was going a minute ago. Like, it showed me that I could say no to something that everybody said yes to yeah. and it would benefit me. Yeah. 
So then I use that, I think, as a way to be like, look, I stepped, I, I did a really hard thing there. And it was really hard for me to stop drinking. Yeah. Even though, you know, you look back four and a half or five years down, behind you and it, it doesn't seem like a big thing anymore but it was massive mm. and if I ever look through like my journals from the time or my really early blog posts it was really hard right and I I now hold on to like I did that really hard thing so I could I I believe in myself that I can do other hard stuff yeah, yeah. so that makes sense and yeah. I think it'll be the same for you guys because like look at all this great stuff you're now doing do you think you you would ever have done it without stopping drinking not a chance I'd have still been stuck in a classroom which I didn't enjoy anymore trying to deal with the college politics you'd have been doing your job happily no doubt no I wouldn't have been happily doing it you'd have been hungover yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I, I honestly think um, it has completely changed my life from what it would have been I've got three children like my eldest is 22 one at 18 and one at 15 and my youngest two I think I, I dread to think because they were having such a rough time around the time that I stopped drinking, it made me stand up and be there. And and I think it's been not just life-changing for me, but for them as well. And I just, I think I'd have been dreaming. I'd have been dreaming about a life like you've got now, Laurie, when I was drinking, thinking I want to do that, but I don't know how to do it. Like when you were saying mm-hmm. before about going to your friends in London and I've got this lovely vision of you living in this lovely, little house that you've bought through sobriety really yes. haven't you yeah. um in your house I don't know why but you're on a bike in my vision right I cycled my bike to the doctors on Monday I will let you this know is what I mean. instead this of getting in the car so you, you cycle your bike you turn up to one of your friends like city weddings it's like a film right <laughs> she's got it all, this is your life did you not know <laughs> yeah but when you were saying it I can imagine which character you were in the film mm. that was in my mind <laughs> I've seen Meg Ryan now on a bike I mean I'll take it <laughs> but it's that thing isn't it that's that kind of like Sliding Doors. Yeah, yeah. Love that film, right? I do. But it is that Sliding Doors moment. Yeah, either... So one way you stop drinking and your life changes in that way and the other way you stop drinking, you keep drinking. And your life, I think, kind of carries on the same. Yeah. Yeah. And gets worse over time, no doubt. Yeah. And you end up a bit... It's called Sliding Doors. Do you know that? Yeah, did it? Oh, I loved it. I watched that with my mum, actually. Um, And I remember us always saying, because we'd gone to the cinemas to watch it, and when we came out, we was like, imagine if we went round this roundabout again, how different our lives could turn out, and we would never, ever know. And it's such, like, yeah, good reference. It is a good reference. But it's just, I feel like when... When you're drinking, your life scene or your world just seems so small. You yeah. think you think it's really big, but it isn't. It's like so tiny, and sobriety opens up like so many doors. I, I just love it, mate. I'm I love dead jealous. About it. I love sober people. I love every single thing about sobriety, and it'll never ever bore me. I'm so <laughs> jealous that you're getting to live your thirties sober, and I know that was our choice and my choice. But honestly, if there's one thing yeah. that I could do differently, it would be to stop drinking way back. It would actually be to never start, but I did. I'm not going to pretend I didn't have some fun times when I was drinking because I did some very fun times. But um, to have lived my thirties, not that we're old, but to have lived my thirties sober and, and have been a, a single and been able to do traveling and do the things that maybe I haven't done. I, yeah, I think it's incredible. I think we'll see more. I, I definitely now. So when I stopped drinking, I didn't really like. I couldn't really find any people my age that were young that were not drinking. And that's why I sort of like started the blog and like talking about shit on Instagram. But now there's so many younger people who are talking about not drinking, like lots to do with Millie, obviously, so society. And I like look around, I'm like, wow, like all of these younger people. I meet people who are like getting sober at like 22. Yeah. It's amazing. 
But I think genuinely that it's people like you, Laurie, that have kind of paved the way and shown them that there is there is a different way. You've been such an inspiration. I know you might have forgot about this while you've been in Cambodia doing yoga, but your blog is still there. People are still reading it. They are still seeing the things that you've done because you stopped drinking. And I just think it's so inspirational. Like, I know that I'll make Beth, my eldest, listen to this part. I made her listen to Millie's. Yeah. And I made because she's like 22 and I'm like just listen to this these other younger people that don't go out every week and getting smashed and I, I think you're right there though right that and when you were saying drinking keeps your world small I think that's what it is right because drinking keeps you focused on like a Thursday Friday Saturday night where you're gonna go out and get smashed and like what your plans for the weekend are and when you're yeah. sober your plans for the weekend and your plans for your life can just expand yeah. and even if you don't want a bigger life if you're quite happy with your life as it is just removing the alcohol can can give you you know so many perks if you are struggling with drinking or you just don't have a great relationship with it right so even if someone like is quite happy with you know if they're listening to this or they like engage with your work and they think I quite like my life actually but this drinking is a terrible habit yeah. but you remove the drinking and actually you just enjoy your life so much more it's so true one of the members said today that um sobriety has brought uh, everything that alcohol promised and I was like oh and I have heard it before but it really resonated with me this morning but it's so true isn't it like everything that I drank for I found in sobriety whether it be confidence whether it was me less anxious friendships I thought it would yeah every single thing sobriety has brought me and alcohol never did it just made it false promises it was just shit really I think the thing with booze especially if we like rely on it or like we use it to cope or we use it to I don't know, like a dummy, like a kid, right? You give someone a dummy, you give an adult a bottle of wine or whatever. I think when we use it in that way, yeah, it just doesn't work. And then the next day we feel terrible. And then it like, it continues to be this horrible cycle. Whereas when you take it away, you have to learn how to do all that stuff without it. And so even at the beginning, it's really hard, like trying to do all that stuff sober and learn to like, cope and if you've always used alcohol to socialize like that stuff is all really difficult but once you've done it you realize you never needed it yeah it's true it's true and and really if it, what's happened and we say this quite a bit as well we both started drinking in our teens that's when you're experimenting that's when you're trying that's when other things are happening as well so you're meeting boys you're meeting girls you're meeting friends and you just make that subconscious unconscious like connection that alcohol good time friendships by friends whatever and slowly over time that just becomes that's how I do life mm-hmm. that's how I cope with meeting people with having friends and actually if we'd never had it in the first place we'd have been fantastic at making friends and fantastic at meeting people instead we've created because we both have social anxiety you more than me yeah you have terrible social anxiety still don't you yeah which is so funny because when we started Be Sober Manchester, <laughs> originally it was like, oh my gosh, we were creating events for people and it was just so scary. I didn't enjoy any of the events for like the first 12 <laughs> months because I was so scared of like meeting people. But I think, um, you know, we've made some amazing friendships and we watch amazing friendships be built as well all the time, which is dead special, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. But amazing to think that you've done all of that without the booze, right? And like what you were saying about kind of like all of the alcohol being integrated with kind of like being a grown up. And that's what I always thought. Like alcohol's grown up, right? Because you grow up seeing your parents drink. You watch everyone that's a grown up on TV drinking. So it's like this like rite of passage almost when you're like in your teens. I don't know, I was 13, 14, 15 starting to drink and everyone is using alcohol as that sort of like social lubricant that when you take it away or if you never ever did it like when you were 10 you didn't need booze to make friends no no no. you didn't need booze to dance or like sing or any of that stuff but we put it in at that really formative age yeah and so we we think we need it yeah and you you grow up believing that that is what caused you to be able to sing on a stage to dance with friends and so on and it, and it isn't and that's why early sobriety is so hard I think because you are really having to relearn I, I remember the first time I went to a wedding sober and I was only 
three weeks sober, I think, and I went to this wedding with my family, who are the biggest boozers at the best of time. But at a wedding, they really go all out. And it was like, I'd, I wanted to dance. I really wanted to go and do it, but I felt so self-conscious. I did a little bit and then I thought everyone's looking at me. Of course they're not. Nobody is. But you do really feel like you don't fit. You, you can't You can't make your body parts do what they're meant to do. <laughs> you know yeah. what else though? Do you think sometimes in the early days you try and force things yeah. a little bit more? So, you know, like at weddings now, if I was to go to one now... And I didn't feel the need to dance. I'd be quite comfortable in saying, no, I'm all right, thank you, I don't want to dance. But then if a song came on that I actually really liked and wanted to dance to, I'd feel more that yeah. I would do. Whereas in the early days, you see other people dancing to shit songs and you think, oh, I should be doing that as well. And then you try and do it. And then you didn't like the song anyway. And you've just forced yourself to do something that you would have done when you were drunk. Yeah, no, like you, you, try, <laughs> you try, it's like being a dry drunk. Is that what it's called? Like a dry drunk where you yeah. try and live your drunk live but sober I think it works much better when you, you're right like when you don't do that I think in early sobriety I was talking about this the other day I think we feel like you have a post-it note on your head right that says like I'm trying to not drink or like I've just stopped drinking and that everyone is looking at you and judging you looking at that post-it note on your head but the reality <laughs> is no one can see it and most people are so absorbed in their own lives that they've not got a clue but you're right like if you force yourself to do things like I love dancing at weddings but if the song's shit, I'm not dancing. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't like the music, I'm not going to pretend to dance to it because it's rubbish. But when you are in that kind of like first kind of, I don't know, even up to a year, I think, yeah. you just feel like everyone's looking at you because yeah. you feel so fresh and new. And this happens, I talk to people about this all the time, like you feel so new, you feel so vulnerable. You are like a little sober baby trying to navigate the world <laughs> totally. without alcohol for the first time. And it feels like everyone's looking at you. But actually, even if somebody looks at you once and then looks away, they're not really bothered. And the people that get really bothered, I think, about you're not drinking tend to be the ones that are, are like in some way struggling themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're not drinking makes them feel like you're judging them or similar. Yeah. So it's that really kind of thing where it's really hard to know in the moment because you're in early sobriety, so you don't kind of feel it but to know that like people aren't really looking at you yeah it's true they don't they don't care nobody cares really once they've got over the are you going to have one and you're very yeah. firm and I was talking about this on a group coaching session last night if you can be really even if you don't feel fully confident inside if you can portray an air of confidence when you say no thank you you're not going to get beaten down and and if you are getting beaten down then that person isn't really bothered about your drinking there's something going on with them uh, it's, it's so true it's really that's true. with life in general isn't yeah, it yeah. if you can kind of put up that confidence like if you're in a bad mood or if you're feeling a little bit low or sad and then you go shopping you're guaranteed that the checkout person will be an ass with you or somebody <laughs> no you can you kind of you do attract what you're putting out there don't you I always remember my mum saying to me and I'm dead and it's nothing to do with society I don't even know why I'm telling it you maybe it'll help somebody I don't know but she used to always tell me when I was walking down the street on my own to always put my head up never ever look down because mm. it gives you that confidence and I and I do I always do it like when even when I'm walking the dog my head's really high and I'm like <laughs> my dog's really happy and smiling I'm really happy and smiling and when I see people walk down you know with their heads down and I kind of just want to give them a hug and I think but you're the type of person that's going to get pushed in the canal because Pick you're head true though like lots like life is like much e not easier I think but when you kind of like are firm in your own decisions and you're like no like this is what I've decided and you do do like that very firm no thank you or like I'll have a Heineken zero please or someone says oh you're not drinking tonight you go no I don't drink yeah it, it's, it's that like no I don't drink or I will have this that is that just stops people almost like yeah. it's like a a full stop, isn't it? Rather than like, oh no, I shouldn't have a drink tonight. Yeah. I yeah, think I'll have that. a... And actually, even though you might in your head be thinking that version, like, oh, I, I shouldn't, I don't really want to. The no, I'm not to other people 
if someone forces you on that, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? What is your problem? Yeah. yeah. It's not about you not drinking that at all. No. They've got some issue with life generally, probably. <laughs> and often yeah. I think people are grateful to have, like, not everybody, obviously. Like, there are people that, you know, want to go out with you on a Friday night and, like, get really drunk. But often I'll find, like, if I'm out with friends now and I obviously I'm not going to drink there but oh yeah I'm not going to drink either actually like really need a night off or whatever that still shocks me it shocks me that all my friends weren't absolute raging pissheads like me at a weekend because I thought we were all going out we were all getting smashed we all went to different parties at ridiculous ridiculous times when the truth is I was forcing (laughs) shots down people I was at these parties and they were ringing me up going where did you end up (laughs) like are you okay (laughs) So when you go out with them and they're like, oh, I'm not going to drink. I'm like, really? You're not? <laughs> you're yeah. now sober. Why not? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but I think some of us who are sober are the ones that were the worst for that, right? Yeah, like, and I know I was saying like, oh, you know, you say no, thank you. And, and people aren't going to push you. Or if they are like, what's their problem? I probably would have pushed someone. Yeah. Because I wanted them to get drunk with me. Yeah, me too. And, yeah. and we used to say, don't trust some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I would avoid them if they weren't drinking. But and looking back, that is definitely because you're so like if you're stood next to a sober person and you're drunk you're so aware of like that you might be slurring a little bit or you might have just repeated yourself or you might just like have fallen into them or not the drink over or they're just like so that's what gives them sober people that name of being like boring boring. (laughs) and also though I think I'm very conscious now that like you know when you're drinking and you just kind of can't control what you're saying yeah. you just like come out with all this shit <laughs> how much of it is true or not I don't know how much of it is like your deepest darkest feelings that you've just decided to spurt to a random yeah. sober mate that's driving home I'm really conscious now if I'm ever out with friends although obviously that hasn't happened a lot recently because <laughs> of COVID but if I'm out with friends and it's getting to that point in the night where they're starting to kind of spill their secrets at me, they're not going to remember. I am going to remember. Yeah, you like that is normally when I leave because I'm like I just don't want them to be in that kind of really vulnerable position. And I would never say like if someone tells me something when they're drinking, I'm I'm just I'm like trying you know zip it up. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Like it's not fair. But you're not that friend that rings up and reminds them and says, "Do you remember when you said this?" Or no, Do you I, them friends annoy me. <laughs> I don't, I still to this day hate like sometimes people bring up stuff that I did when I was oh. drinking, and I still four and a half years later it gives me like the I I'm get like, it. Oh, I don't need it. to hear about it. I really don't need to hear about it. Like I know, and that's why I stopped drinking like please stop like reminding me of all that embarrassing shit I did <laughs> I must admit I used to phone you up and say stuff not not oh you did this or you did that but Lisa hey she'd phone me and say oh I can't believe we did this or I can't believe I said or, and I used to just be like it's fine and I remembered everything yeah didn't I? Mm-hmm. and then I used to say it's fine honestly it's absolutely fine you weren't that bad I kept her drinking for years telling her she wasn't that bad <laughs> to be honest looking back I think I had such bad anxiety the next day. I generally wasn't actually that bad. I never did things that were that bad in comparison to like some of the books that I've read. But but it was how I used to beat myself up afterwards. I just hated it because I just weren't aligning with who I was so I would say things that I just wouldn't normally say or I'd think them and you know like you think it and then you think no I shouldn't think that but when you're drunk you say it and then Mm. there's no taking it back then just there just to contextualize how bad Lisa feels about things this can happen in the day now so she can be walking along and somebody will come towards her and she'll say hiya in a weird way and phone me up and go oh I've just said hiya in a really weird way to somebody (laughs) and it plays on her mind now so you can imagine kind of the level of trivia it was drunk it was never that bad it could be really little things but it played on your mind for days didn't yeah, it yeah it was awful I, I hear that I was the same I like yeah things could just go round and round and round in my head and my anxiety after I like after a night out was was awful it would stick around for days and days and I always felt like especially when I think I got into kind of like personal growth self-improvement self-help stuff before I stopped drinking yeah I like read the miracle morning and started trying to get up early and have a morning routine and go to yoga before work and yeah at that point I had like grand plans to be a marketing director you know big job all that stuff 
and how I felt when I was still drinking was that I was like going one step forward and two steps back. Like I'd go one step forward in the day and then I'd drink a lot and I'd be two steps back. And I was like always chasing up to myself. Like I could never quite catch up to where I wanted to be. And like you're saying, I just didn't feel very aligned with, I had this whole vision of who I wanted to be. And then that person would get smashed and like, it would be like, I would almost disappear to to this smashed version of me who, yeah, was not doing anything really bad, but it was bad enough for me. And I always kind of say that. I think I often hear like people say, oh, well, I'm not as bad as the books, you know? Yeah. And like, we don't have to be as bad as the books. If you're bad enough for you, that's bad enough. Like, and it doesn't even need to be bad. Like if you're just recognizing that it's a habit. I mean, I, I always see like drinking, it's a bad habit that you've learned, right? It's learned behavior and you, you didn't always do it. So you can unlearn it in the same way. And it, you don't have to have like a rock bottom, like the books to make a change. Like, I think I did have like quite a few like times where I was like, okay, this is enough. Yeah. And it took me a while to act on them. But I think sometimes we like see what other people do and, and we use it to make us feel better about ourselves when actually what we should do is like, okay, yeah, like that was them and this is me and and I'm making that choice for me. Whereas I think, I don't know, with you guys, I definitely used to be like, well, I'm not, I'd be like, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm not drinking in the mornings. Yeah. I'm not, you know, add all these things. And if if you are drinking in the morning, then also like, yeah, obviously like if that's enough for you, that's your reason. But I, I could compare myself to some people in my life whose drinking was objectively worse than mine and who weren't making changes. And I used that to make me feel better about my drinking for for quite a while. And it wasn't until I kind of was like, no, enough is enough for me that I was able to kind of be like, all right, let's actually stop now. Yeah, I think so many people will resonate with that, Laurie. It's true. It's just when you're not aligning with yourself is for me, like I was exactly the same as that. And I wonder if that's why I probably did beat myself up and suffer so much more anxiety because I was I knew that I didn't want to be that person. I knew I didn't want to feel like I did. Like I remember just like praying you know the day after thinking I just want to be a normal person I just want to feel like my normal self again I just want this feeling to go and I never knew how bad that was until I stopped drinking and I look back and think my god Lisa you were literally on your bed going please be normal please be normal again just trying to get the poison out of me (laughs) have you found that not drinking's helped with your anxiety yeah for yeah. me, massively. I, I do have it a lot more, but I'm a lot more confident in my decision. I'm, I'm probably a bit arrogant now because when I say something now, I'm like, I, I own that shit. I said it because I'm sober. I didn't say it because I've been arrogant. Mine got worse initially. Yeah, initially, yeah. I was horrific for, for a good, I reckon, nearly a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then over time, I realised that actually what I thought was anxiety were just waves of probably normal feelings and a bit of pause. Um, but over time now, what I've got good at, and I think you're the same, is recognising the starts of the anxiety so you can intervene before it gets to that kind of, you know, that manic stage. Um, so I think that's it. It's not that maybe I'm less anxious now. It's just that I can recognise it coming so I can get in with some tools before it gets bad. Yeah, no, I really resonate with that. I My anxiety definitely got worse in the early days. Like, it, it's better in general because I'm not adding the booze, but I, what I think I didn't realize was that I used booze a lot to cope with social anxiety. Yeah. And so then I didn't have it anymore. And so if I was like in this anxious, nervous spiral where maybe I could have met a friend and had a glass of wine or three at the end of a day, and that would get rid of the anxiety for the evening. Yeah. When that wasn't there anymore, I was like, shit, I need to actually cope with this Yeah. Like, and learn ways to cope with it that aren't yeah, pouring three glasses of wine down my neck and numbing myself from it. I think that was it with, with me as well. And, I th- and, and you, you hear it, it's quite common because people, and people get really upset. We've had this with our members where they say, you know, my anxiety is worse than ever after 60 days of not drinking. And it is just that 
well, obviously the chemical recalibrating of your brain, first of all, it gets rid of the stimulants for a while, but also the very fact that you, alcohol was what took the edge off that feeling that is actually there all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got, it's definitely got better. And, and of course you develop more tools, don't you, as you go. So, you know, th- there'd have been never, ever a time where I'd gone, I'm just going to go and stand outside in the garden in my bare feet for 15 minutes on my own with a cup of coffee. And I do that occasionally now. And then I think, who is this? Are you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I found myself the other day and my daughter came out and she said, it was three days ago, she came out and she said, what are you doing? Are you grounding? I was grounding. I'm so proud of you. I didn't know I was grounding, but until after the fact, and I was stood and I was actually feeling the grass between my toes having a cup of coffee because I'd felt stressed. And I thought, this is amazing. This is not wine. This is feeling. It's great. But how often, okay, do you, before when you were drinking, would you ever even be able to notice that you were feeling a bit stressed and you went outside and stood in the garden for 15 minutes. Like that would just be, I just would never have done that when I was drinking. No, me neither. It wouldn't, wouldn't have even recognised it. Yeah, it wouldn't have got to that point because as soon as you had that feeling, what what I found, and I don't know if you found this, but what I thought was a craving was anxiety. So in the mm. early days, I thought I was craving for wine, but actually my brain had just learned anxiety equals numb with wine. So the craving was kind of intertwined with that anxious feeling it wasn't a craving at all it was just anxiety and if I didn't say just it's actually awful but it was anxiety and if I'd have known how to recognize it I could have gone in the garden years ago yeah and I think what I used to do as well was when I would feel stressed at work or like during the day I just be like it's all right just get to the end of the day you can have a glass of wine with your friends yeah you know or like you get a, you know have a gin and talk, you know just get to the end of the day and I wouldn't ever like let myself have that pause in the day because I'd just be like, just push through it, you get to the end of the day, yeah. have a glass of wine, because that was my panthea for everything. Whereas now, if I'm stressed in the day, or if I'm tired, whatever, I'd be like, I'll have a nap, or, okay, can't always have a nap. Actually, I'm not going with napping. Nap. You know, have a sleep, or go outside, or walk the dogs, or have you drunk any water today? You yeah. know, all of those things. Whereas when I was drinking, I, was, I would also mainline coffee. I drank so much coffee, which made my anxiety so much worse. It was like coffee until the end of the day and then wine and then all the same the next day. And no wonder my anxiety never got any better because yeah. I never actually did anything to make it better. I just continued to repeat the cycle of like, yeah. get up, hungover, go to work, drink coffee, drink coffee, drink coffee, drink wine, 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 do it all again the next day. Oh, and so never that space to go outside and stand in the garden or... See, we talk about anxiety a lot, but actually we never touch on stress yeah very much and so stopping drinking I'm definitely not as stressed as I was no like no one I watch kind of dramas happen or hear of these dramas through (laughs) friends and I'm just like I have to stop my face thinking god what are you getting all dramatic for (laughs) she phones me up like honestly Lisa has big quite big events at times that go on and she'll phone up yeah the, the car's been nicked yeah oh uh, yeah I've crashed my bike into the wall I've got a cut arm and she just like it's gone <laughs> that, I don't, I don't go no no yeah I did oh you did yeah, yeah, you did, did. <laughs> yeah. um, but no I definitely don't get stressed as much and I'd spoke about this with my mum I've just been away for the weekend with my mum and my youngest daughter and honestly we had such a laugh and when we got there my boyfriend had messaged saying oh um, are you all still talking after being in the car for so long and I read it and thought why on earth would we not be (laughs) do you know what like we'd had such fun and honestly there was literally no dramas and you could see dramas going on around things and I'd be like this is so weird that people get up over like stupid shit they're like there's so much going on in the world (laughs) I don't know what's happened to it it's it's all the meditation right you've turned into this like zen yeah, kind of. I'm definitely more mindful about things, and I'm not saying I don't ever lose my shit. I definitely do sometimes, but I'm aware I'm doing it. And sometimes I'll even go right. I'm going to lose my shit now. I'm going to have a tantrum. I'm going to f. I'm going to jeff, and then I'm going to get over it. I'm just going to get it out of my system. It's funny because I'm like a year behind Lisa as well. I'll tell her something that I think is a big revelation, like the fact that I've walked in the garden for 15 minutes and it's calmed my stress, and she's like. 
Yeah, I was doing that last year. Oh, I do not. I really appreciate it. No, I don't mean that. You're not a judgmental way. But you know, like books I was reading, for example, in my first year. Oh, yeah, I'm sick of hearing about it. I've got, oh, have you heard this in William Porter's book? She's like, yeah, last year. Yeah, done it. I haven't read a variety, but oh, actually, that's a lie. I read Kath's new book. A, a, a few weeks ago but like I haven't read <laughs> other than um, other than her new book for a couple of years I think no, I I am kind of like they're amazing as a tool at yeah. the beginning in the first just, year first year first year and a half but I just got to oh I read Millie's as well okay so I've read my life <laughs> I've read my friend's book. You've had to read this because yeah. you're friends, so you can't include them. Yeah. I've read my friend's books, but I haven't read a sobriety book because I think I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm ready for like the next step. So like my sobriety has become kind of normal. So now I'm like reading about all other stuff. And sometimes I do pick up a book. Like I've got, do you know, Steph Shivers, like I've got her like, there's no magic button, which is really useful. Sometimes I use that because I'm like, obviously to help clients. But I think you get to a point with your sobriety where you're like, okay, well, this is my normal. So what's next? Yeah. Yeah. And that's quite a nice place to be. Yeah, definitely. No, it is definitely that. And I think you're up. She's always going to be a year ahead of me. So it's like, I'll go to it. You've been my guru. Oh, thank you. You are. Yeah, I'm like that though because my friend, like a lot of my friends, are a few. I've got friends who are a few years like below. I'm ahead of a few of my friends. Just trying to find the right language for that. (laughs) I'm I'm a few years ahead of a few of my friends, but also I have friends that, like my friend Joey, I think is like eight or nine years sober now. So I've also got friends that are kind of like ahead, but. I don't ever see it like that. Like, I just see it as like, we're all now sober, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I do agree. I think self-development wise, I still look at you and think, I want to be at that point because you're still more aware. Oh, like, see, you, you see know, Alex, I left my husband. Oh, I, I don't do that. I don't agree <laughs> that. But, no, but things, there's certain things like, Lisa's always been a good judge of character anyway, but definitely in a sobriety, she can call someone out in seconds. Like if, you, if I want to know whether somebody's being authentic and genuine and I can't quite suss it myself, I'll go, Lisa, what do you thing she'll be like yeah oh no <laughs> it's really weird I feel like my mum's like this and my youngest daughter actually we, we call it we'll be like we truth finders we can <laughs> we find the truth we can just feel it and sense it and if people are being authentic and I used to kind of stick with these people because I didn't I felt bad or I did and now I found like I'm a lot more confident in thinking oh they're not really my kind of people I'm gonna move away from them I really struggle with I don't know the word for it in authentic yeah mm. I really really struggle with it I find it dead hard you call me out on it yeah I do yeah I do so that's not what you really think so don't say it <laughs> I'm like blunt yeah. I love that it's so straight you don't think that guys stop saying it no I do um, I find it really hard or people not coming out and saying things to me like don't go around the houses let's I just believe so much in just speak the truth you cannot go wrong with the truth whether it's good whether it's bad whether whatever if it's a fact and it's true well, you can't go wrong with it. That's nothing to do with spreading. Yeah, speak your truth. So whatever yeah. it is, it doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. Just speak your truth, and it, that's what I mean by guru. She's always going to be that year ahead, and I'll, I'll, as my best friend, I will always look to her and go, "I'm at this point," and she'll always be like, "Yeah, been there. I'm doing good. Don't worry. Keep going. <laughs> it's great." Well, it's nice though because you've got that in each other, right? And I guess in some ways that's what kind of you're doing with be sober. You get to like do that for other people because you are kind of like at the top of their journey and I think that's what like all of this stuff is kind of good for right like you know the blog the books all of the stuff like when I was getting sober what was so helpful for me was like google and like finding other people and finding community and I don't think I would have ever stuck to sobriety had I not like started an anonymous instagram account and started talking to people and made friends through that who have shown me kind of the way and that's what all of this is right like Lisa for you she kind of showed you the way but then you're on your own journey yeah definitely and that's the thing like you can find inspiration from other people and you can it's that thing that Sarah Pola says I think like if you fucked a zebra someone else has fucked too (laughs) community in that right like and that is what helps I think in sobriety that like sense of community and like 
support that you kind of need in yeah. like when you feel a lot of shame around your drinking. I don't think many people come to sobriety without like a smidgen about their drinking finding like community and support is so important um but yeah like it's also your journey and you have to be proud of that oh definitely do you know what honestly we could go on for long i can't even believe that we've filled your hour oh wow yeah yeah we're just chatting on a podcast hey we've done that no but (laughs) we normally like finished after 40 minutes it's amazing we've honestly i could talk to you like talk longer you're just amazing to talk to it's been wonderful it's been lovely to chat to you guys as you as well it's been Thank a long time so coming much. this one yeah, yeah, yeah. a long time coming so I'm yeah. really glad and you kind of you're almost our season ender you were going to be the season ender but now our Oliver our uh, men's ambassador has managed to squeeze in as the last one yes, hasn't yes. It? great <laughs> I'll be listening to so that one much for taking the time to talk to us um, it has been a long time coming yeah <laughs> we'll put the links that you've sent us into the bio so people can find you and see what you're doing as well so thank great you thank you much. yeah so so good to be here thank you guys for having me thanks thank a lot it's been really fun. Bye. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye.